When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to How to Be a Better Person with me, Kate Hanley. It's great to have you here. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about doing hard things because they are really where we get to lean into the idea of being a better person and meet the moment in a way that we can be proud of. Today, I'm talking with Maura Ahrens Mealy, host of the Anxious Achiever podcast and author of Hiding in the Bathroom, How to Get Out There When You'd Rather Stay Home. Maura is also working on an Anxious Achiever book that will be published by the Harvard Business Review in 2022. I'm super excited to get her perspective on how to work with things like anxiety and being an introvert that your monkey mind might try to use to convince you to avoid doing hard things. Maura, welcome. I like that, Kate, monkey mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all relate, right? Indeed. First off, tell us how you came to be an expert in achieving while anxious. I love this combination of two things together. Well, I think it's a really, really common combination. And and indeed, right, to achieve, you need a little bit of anxiety. Otherwise, you would never be motivated to leave your couch. So, Mm. you know, anxiety on the face of it is actually a very necessary thing for our human condition. But for me, it was really just decades of living with clinical anxiety that all too often got in my way or that, to be honest, just was a constant presence in my life. You know, it was a weight around my neck. I'd get invited to give a speech and my first instinct would be, I'm so excited. I'm so proud. And then the anxiety anxiety would come and say, no, Maura you're going to die if you get on a plane to give that speech. Mm. Your children will miss you too much, blah, blah, blah. And it would constantly be a battle. I can totally relate. And I'm so happy that you are talking about it in such clear terms. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So what are some of the thought patterns associated with anxiety or introversion, which is what I hear when I hear your book title, you know, hiding in the bathroom? (laughs) What like what are the thoughts that come up that might derail our desire to do the hard stuff? Well, so this is what I've been learning about because I wanted to sort of understand why our monkey minds do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's our brain trying to help us. And our brains love patterns. And so if we get worked up about getting on that plane to give that speech, and we feel like we're going to enter a danger zone and our heart starts to beat and 
all the reactions happen in our body, our brain has to step in and say, uh-oh, oh, danger, I'm going to create all these reactions. And it learns, right? It learns that plane equals danger over time, and it becomes habitual. Unfortunately, you know, we've got pieces of our nervous system that haven't evolved beyond being chased by mastodons. <laughs> and so, you know, that's when you sort of have to step outside of your brain and say, okay, brain, listen, I know you're trying to protect me here, but I'm going to use the frontal cortex, the piece that's really, you know, gotten a bit separate from the fight or flight reaction and say, no, I'm not going to die when I'm going to get on this plane. I might feel nervous. I might have to take a Xanax. I might have to breathe in a different way, but I'm not going to die and it's going to be okay. And, and that also is about pattern and habit, right? And teaching yourself. And it all starts with sort of becoming aware, right? Noticing mm -hmm. what makes you anxious. And I focus on your work day, right? And your work life. And how do you tend to react? And is that reaction helping you or hurting you? So it sounds like, I mean, yes, I talk about this all the time, that awareness is always the first step. Like mm -hmm. You can't change a habit or a pattern, as you say, that you don't know that you have. So it sounds like you're saying, like, do you literally write out what you're doing in your workday and scan it for the stuff that sets off alarm bells or? Not anymore, but I have. I mean, or I've done that work in therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, in when I read something or lucky me, I get to, like you, I get to interview really smart people about this stuff. So <laughs> I, I have aha moments all the time. You know, I, I had a moment where I was interviewing a psychologist, Dr. Alice Boys, who's a, written some great books about anxiety and, and healthy mind. And, you know, I was talking to her about the fact that sometimes when I get anxious about money, I make some really bad decisions. And mm -hmm. I was reflecting back on my life of when I had either overspent or underinvested or, you know, just made silly decisions around my financial life. And I realized it was because money makes me really anxious. And it's because my parents had a nasty divorce and my father didn't pay the bills and blah, blah, blah. And I can't even tell you how much that realization has changed my life mm -hmm. as a business person, as an entrepreneur. It's wow. been transformative. I love that. So it's funny because, you know, how we're being in one part of our life is how we're being in all parts of our lives. Indeed. And so you might not realize that your anxiety around the work stuff is actually tied to, yeah, something from childhood. Well, I'll give you another example that I think is really, really um, important for right now, which is that as many teams became remote overnight. Mm hmm and we were all separated. I think a lot of us, rightfully so, we'd never learned how to manage in that way, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's harder to manage people when they're remote. And so if you're finding that your colleagues and your boss are emailing you more or slacking you more or even texting you more, it's probably because they're anxious. They're anxious about the world. They're anxious about the state of the organization. And they're anxious about I can't see these people. I don't know what they're doing. How do they feel? Are they committed? Are they burnt out? I'm burnt out. Oh my God, I better email them. Right. <laughs> so so it's not just you who's feeling anxious. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, we are living through. <laughs> Micromanaging is really a lot about anxiety. 
<laughs> That's a really empathetic view to take. Uh, glad you shared that. <laughs> well, I do it myself, so. <laughs> All right, let's take a little bit of a bigger picture view. So as a society, we're becoming much more upfront about our mental health challenges and our neurodiversity, you know, whether that's being anxious or an introvert or intuitive or ADHD or any number of other specific brain wirings. What, what are the opportunities in that? And also, are there any perils in us knowing more about each other's mental health? I don't think there are perils except that as long as we stigmatize this stuff, there are perils, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's the problem. I think it's ridiculous that these extremely common, normal, and beautifully diverse functions of our brain are stigmatized. I think it's crazy. I think that a lot of people learn to completely fake what they think is some kind of normative behavior. Mm. And that's why they get anxious. That's why they get sick. That's why their stress levels are through the roof. That's why they get IBS and chronic migraines and all this stuff. It's because they aren't able to be honest about how they feel and they put it into their bodies. I think it's crazy. But as long as we equate this stuff with weakness or vulnerability or a difference that we don't embrace, there are perils. And I think that that's why it's so important that leaders, that white men <laughs> step up and say, <laughs> I have clinical depression. I have ADHD. I was diagnosed with autism, whatever, because it's totally prevalent and it's totally normal. Excellent. So what's something practical that listeners can do the next time they encounter a situation that either triggers their anxiety or makes them want to hide? Like we're very brass tacks here. What do we do? Breathe. Stop hunching. I think that it sounds so trite and I apologize, but it's very, very true. We are animals. Right. Uh, Dr. Christine Tryon, who's my hero, I really recommend uh, you check out her work. I've learned so much from her. She makes the point that we are animals. And when our brain is telling us that things are scary, right, which is what anxiety is, we stop breathing, we hunch, we clench, and that creates pain. And we can't be our best person. And so it's really important as a first step to notice. Right. And that could be something as simple as, gosh, my breath feels shallow. My heart's beating, or gosh, I'm really clenching my shoulders. Why? And then for a minute, stand up, stretch, put the breath back in the belly, exhale longer than you inhale, give your body a reset. And that will tell your mind, you know what, mind? It's okay. We're not going to be anxious right now. It's so powerful to know that. We have the tools already inside us and also always with us. You can't not be breathing, you know, and be a person. So thank right. you. Dr. Christine Runyon, I'm so sorry. I, I um I'm not I haven't had enough coffee. Christine Runyon, R U N Y N. I don't know why I said Tryon. Okay. Oh, we can find her. And for folks who want to connect with you, where can they find you? Well, I would love <laughs> if they listen to the Anxious Achiever. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. Great. Thank you so much for being here today, Maura. Thank you, Kate. Hey, it's Kate here with your tiny assignment. 
So Maura was talking about how awareness is the first step in figuring out how to do hard things despite the anxiety that they may produce. So I liked how she suggested doing a kind of an accounting of the things that you have to do regularly that are important to your work, your family, your self-care, what have you, that cause anxiety, that make you feel like maybe I don't really want to do this thing because I'm just nervous thinking about it. And think about what is one or two that continue to come up again and again. You don't really have to make a plan for how you're going to get around them. Remember, the first step is awareness. And sometimes just having awareness can start to shift the energy around something. So I'm just curious, what is it? What is it that really makes you want to go stick your head in the sand when it comes to doing hard things? Knowing what those are is going to help you be more gentle with yourself when that thing arises. And also is going to, and this is a little bit woo-woo, but it's going to draw things to you that are going to help you deal with that specific situation. For example, if you become aware that you get really anxious around looking at your credit card bills, for example, Maura used an example of money, so let's go with that. Then if you're aware of that and you have been honest with yourself about that, then you're more likely to notice when an article pops up that talks about how to deal with anxiety around looking at your credit card bills, for example. You're just going to tune your ear to things that are going to be able to help. Because if you're pretending that it's not a problem and an article like that flies by your feed, you're not even going to pay attention to it. So that's it. I hope that you will come back tomorrow when I am talking about how to initiate a tough conversation. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 